morning, everyone. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Rickert. Uh, I help out with our teams here at Church in the Valley. And I actually want to start this morning by asking you to ponder a question. So the question is this. Have you ever been given an assignment which seemed overwhelming? You know, perhaps one where you just were not sure how in the world am I going to tackle this? How am I going to complete the assignment that I've been given? You know, maybe you are given two works worth of week to accomplish in one week. Or maybe you're given an assignment in which you had to uh, complete it with an extremely difficult coworker. And you just weren't sure, you know, how am I going to be able to do this well? How am I going to do that in a way that really glorifies God? You know, perhaps you have a broken relationship in your life that you know you need to mend, but there's just so much hurt and damage, you're not even sure how it could ever get better. Or perhaps, you know, you just have kids, and you're trying to figure out how do you take, you know, this fussing, selfish, stubborn toddler or teenager and turn them into a helpful human being. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, um, have you ever considered about how you were going to go about handling the assignments that God has specifically given to his people? You know, assignments like taking part in the great rescue mission that God is attempting here on earth, where he's trying to save as many people as possible from a present and future of disappointment, pain, and suffering. H how do we handle that? You know, God has us each on a, um, he has us each on a journey with an assignment to complete, things to see, places to go. How do we do these things that God has given us? How can we go from just knowing we need to do something to actually doing it well? You know, completing big assignments, it's almost like hiking up a big mountain. You know, it can be daunting, it can be difficult, but it can also be very rewarding if we reach the summit. You know, we can climb good paths that are easy, well-trodden, or we can go through the brush, the brambles, you know, difficult paths that injure us along the way. Well, today we're going to take a look about how we deal with difficult challenges in life, how we go from mission impossible to mission accomplished. But more than just accomplishing an assignment, we're going to look at how it is we do it in such a way that will really help us glorify God and be a real blessing to our lives. And so to do that, we're going to look at the example of Joshua and, and the charge that God gave him as he was about to take on a daunting assignment in his life, as he was about to climb this giant mountain in front of him. So to start with, let's look at who Joshua was and what his assignment was that God had given him. So a little bit of backstory. For uh, very early in their history, the people of Israel spent about 400 years in Egypt in slavery. And God used a man named no Moses to lead them out of slavery, to lead them out of Egypt and to go to a land that God promised that he was going to give them to be their place here on earth. And Joshua, he was the assistant of Moses. So while Moses was leading th the people through the desert to this promised land, Joshua was there helping Moses out. Now, through a series of events, when it came time for the people of Israel to actually enter the promised land, enter um, what is Israel, you know, Moses actually didn't lead them in, but instead died right before the people entered. And then God raised up Joshua to now lead the people into this promised land, to actually lead them into battle to conquer all these wicked kingdoms that were in the land and occupying it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty daunting assignment. You know, here's a nation. We're about to go to war. It's your turn. Go ahead. Right? Like, 
that's like saying like, go ahead, go climb Everest, you know, today. Just go, go. Well, Joshua has to lead a people. He has to lead them into battle. Um, you know, and, and many years before, the people had sent spies into this land to check it out. And in fear, what they reported is, we feel like grasshoppers in comparison to the men who are there. Again, doesn't sound like this is going to be an easy thing in which to take on. So let's pick up the story um, where God gives Joshua a charge about how to move forward with this assignment that he's been given. So we can look at Joshua 1, 1 through 9. And it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, goes over this Jordan, that's a river, go over the Jordan to you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot would trail upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So there's three things here that God commanded Joshua to do multiple times. He told them again and again in these verses about how he was to lead the people, how he was to take on this assignment. Joshua was told to be strong. He was told to be courageous, and he was told to be careful. And, you know, kind of following that analogy of us climbing a mountain in seeking to accomplish what's before us, Joshua was told to check the map, to start heading up the trail, and to stay within the boundary markers. So let's take a look at what that means. What does it mean to be strong? Now, the word here means to get a strong grip. We have to get a firm grip on our responsibilities, on what needs to be done. When Joshua was about to lead these people, he needed to get a good grasp on what he needed to do. He needed to have a hold of his responsibility to lead the people into battle and ultimately on leading the people to righteously follow God. And as we're looking to move forward in the assignments that we have, we also need to get a good grasp on what we need to do on our responsibilities, what our assignment is. But to get the best grasp on what we should do, we have to get an understanding of what we need to do according to God's will and God's ways. These need to inform how we carry out our responsibilities. It's, this is how we check the map. We check to see how it is that God wants to handle what we need, wants us to handle what we need to do, what directions we should go, what path we should head up that mountain on. You know, there's many philosophies in life about how we should live. There's so many ideas out there about how we should accomplish life, how we should accomplish our assignments. 
You know, they're going off, paths are going off in all sorts of directions. If we just spend a little time watching TV, watching movies, spending time on, on social media, you know, you're going to find so many recommended paths about how you can live life. And you know what? They seem to always work out for those people who are advertising them. You know, there's selfish paths where it's just about me and what I want and everything's going to turn out okay. There's vengeful paths. You know, being a nice guy, if I'm just nice, everything will work out. There's like Jim Helpert on The Office. There's the cool bike path. You know, if you're just cool, it'll all go well. Uh, there's the action movie, tough guy approach. So many different ways about how we could take our assignment, how we could live life. So what path do we take in life? You know, at work, again, do I really need to put the interests of others above my own? Or can I really just be about myself, my career, and make it to the top? You know, as I'm raising my kids, do I really need to discipline them? Or can I just be that understanding, cool parent that seems to work so well in the TV series Gilmore Girls? You know, what, what do I need to do in life? What path up the mountain is the best one? What will help us accomplish our assignment and give us what we truly want deep down in our hearts? You know, I, I know I question in my heart at times, do I really have to follow the Bible? Like, do I really have to follow the Bible if I want to be blessed? Can't I do one of these other things, you know, accomplish what I need to accomplish, but still get some of those things that the other philosophies of life promise will fulfill me? Well, the reality is if we want to be truly successful in life, it's best to look to the one who designed it. You know, it's best to understand the parameters for success that he has baked into the fabric of how everything works around us and then to orient our lives to his ways. We want to take our responsibilities, what we need to do, and check these against God's map to help us know what path we should go on. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Another translation says that the man of God may be competent. God gives us the freedom to go bushwhacking, you know, to go any way up that mountain that we want to go. But we're going to find more difficulties along the way. You know, we're going to find long-term, short-term pain that comes with us trying to accomplish our assignments. So if we want to be equipped, if we want to be competent for the work that is before us to accomplish our assignments in the best way possible, the Bible acts as a detailed map of how to carry out our responsibilities. It helps us understand God's will, God's ways for what we are trying to accomplish, the paths we ought to take, and the twists and turns that we need to avoid. And we see this reality confirmed in, again, what God charged Joshua to do. So if we look back at Joshua 1.7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. To be able to accomplish our assignments well, we first need to be strong, to get on grip on what we need to do and examine it in light of God's words, to check it on the map. So the second thing that God told Joshua to do was to be courageous. And what this word means is it means for us to be steadfast, to have courage. You know, once we know what we ought to do, we can't waver, but instead we need to steadfastly, courageously, 
move forward carrying it out regardless of how we may feel about it. We have to start heading up the trail God has identified for us. You know, our feelings in life can be a huge determining factor often in how we choose to go about things in our direction and how we choose to respond to what's happening around us. You know, we may not like our job or we not, may not like how things are being led, and so we begin complaining. You know, our kids may be frustrating us, frustrating us, frustrating us, causing us to anger, and so we start yelling at them. You know, we can feel like an assignment is a waste of our time, and so we don't really do it with all our heart, or we even cheat on it. You know, or on the other hand, we actually may feel really excited about something and so really seek to do a great job with it, to do it with all of our heart. You know, it's easy to let our emotions dictate how we live much of life. And God only knows what Joshua must have been feeling at this time when he's taking over to lead the people of Israel. You know, Moses was the leader that the people had known. He was the one who led them out of slavery you know, out of Egypt, and now Joshua's taking over. You know, those are some big shoes to fill. You know, also, Joshua had seen this people rebel time and time and again. They were not an easy group to lead. They were often complaining. You know, they, they when things got hard, they got annoyed, and they rebelled. But not only is it Joshua's job to lead, it's his job to lead them into battle, a bunch, a bunch of wicked kingdoms. You know, what if things start going poorly in the war? war? What's going to happen? What are these people going to do? Again, who knows what Joshua may have been feeling. I know I probably wouldn't have been feeling great about that situation. And in far less scary situations in my life, I have essentially stood still in fear, not following what I needed to get done. You know, feelings are good. Uh, God created feelings, and they can actually be very helpful in life. You know, they can really be a great indicator of what's going down deep in our hearts. You know, if we stop and ask the underlying question of, you know, why am I really angry that that person cut me off? You know, why am I so irritated that Jim over here got the promotion and I didn't? You know, my boss clearly thinks that he should get that promotion. You know, is it because I actually feel like I'm better than him, that I'm more deserving than him? You know, feelings are good to help us analyze what's going on in our hearts, but they are a poor master in determining which direction we should go in life. You know, I think it's probably realistic that Joshua might have been nervous. He might have been scared. He might have been worried, about, again, about what the people were going to do if the war became difficult. So how do we move forward courageously, and what can stop us? Let's actually take a quick look at some of the things that can prevent us from moving forward up the trail, from moving courageously. You know, what are some of the feelings, the concerns about our responsibilities and about how God wants us to tackle them? You know, as we've been talking about, I think one is just fear. You know, being afraid, not knowing how things are going to turn out. You know, we can fear that obeying God, that taking on our assignments in his way uh, may result in some form of pain. It could be relational pain, you know, uncomfortableness at work, a tightness in our finances, our resources. And let's be honest, who really wants to go through pain? You know, in in our culture, we actually do almost anything we can to try to avoid pain. So fear can make us not want to courageously step forward with what we see God showing us to do, but instead to try to find some other path that we think won't have pain associated with it. 
You know, a- another worry that can really stop us from courageous moving forward is the, you know, the fear or the concern that obeying God won't actually really work out for us. That it'll turn out to be that if that things just won't be as good as what the Bible says, that God is going to rip us off if we follow his path on the map. You know, as we've already talked about, the world shows so many tempting paths. What if we follow God's path and it's less fulfilling than if we had done something else? You know, what if God rips us off from having a really satisfying life because we're trying to obey him? Well, you know, this seems to be a concern uh, that the people of Israel suffered again and again while they were in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. So again, they had been slaves in the land of Egypt and not, not in great conditions. Yet time and time again in the wilderness, they would get themselves into a kerfuffle and they would start moaning and groaning, why did we ever leave Egypt? Let's go back there. Life will be better there. You know, they were so concerned that God was going to rip them off that they thought that going back to slavery would be a better situation than where they were going now. And, you know, this morning actually occurred to me that as followers of Christ, we can actually do the same exact thing. You know, God has freed us from the slavery of sin and is leading us to a much better life. And yet at times we wish we could be back in the yoke of sin, of sin slavery once again. You know, I actually think that this is one of the easiest fears to hold us back from moving forward. You know, I know it's one that has caused me t- to delay from heading up God's trail, from courageously and steadfastly moving forward with what I know I need to do. Another thing is we can be afraid that we are going to fa- fail, that if we obey God's trail, we won't make it up the mountain. We won't accomplish the mission, the assignment, but instead we're just going to burn out or blow up in the process. And so what we can begin to want is want an assurance that if we follow God, everything is just going to turn out okay. And so we become unwilling to move forward, wanting to see every single step that comes next. We want to know everything that's going to happen. And so we can begin to fall into the paralysis of analysis, where we're trying to figure out every outcome that can occur, what could possibly happen, and, you know, so that we can take care of it. And I, I think that this is why some assignments seem so much like Mission Impossible, because we can't fathom how things are going to work out. You know, and in the case of being tempted to go other ways, the media, you know, really is tempting at these times because, you know, it always seems to wrap things up in a nice little bow in about 30 minutes, you know, maybe two hours if you're watching a movie. It all seems to work out, and we know exactly what's going to happen if we live that life, right? Because it'll happen just like TV. You know, we want to know, and so we can stop. We cannot move forward because we're afraid of what's going to happen. Well, God calls us to be courageous, to, to start heading up the trail, even when we don't know what's going to happen, even when we may be feeling things that make us want to stop. And actually, thankfully, if we take a close look at the map God has for us, you, we see that God really tries to make it as easy as possible for us to follow him. You know, he doesn't require us to achieve certain results. In a following him, he doesn't ask us to make sure certain things um, are accomplished. You know, personally, I think that's a real relief. What he calls us to is just to be faithful to take the steps that he shows us to take. You know, take the steps that he's showing us. We get to leave the results to him. They're not part of our responsibility. And God also doesn't call us to climb the mountain in a single bound. We don't have to accomplish 
everything right away that could come up. We don't have to deal with every scenario. Instead, God just calls us to take the step that's right in front of us. You know, there's so many things in life that I cannot take on as a whole, but I can take on by taking it part by part, piece by piece. So the missionary Rachel Saint is a great example of what it looks like to be courageous and move forward in life following God's map. So I'm going to give you a little bit of her story just to illustrate how we can be strong and be courageous. Now, Rachel Saint was born in 1914 in Pennsylvania. She had died in 1994. She was the only girl in her family. I believe she had seven brothers, so good luck to her. Um, now, when she was 18, she was taken on a trip to Europe as a companion of a wealthy woman that the family knew. And the wealthy woman who was getting older promised Rachel that if Rachel would just help her uh, while she aged, she would leave Rachel all of her wealth. Now imagine that. You just have to be someone's friend for a while, you know, doing things like being taken on trips to Europe. You know, not a bad deal. And then you're going to be made super rich. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Well, Rachel said that she needed to think about it and that she needed to check with God. What was it that God wanted her to do? What was on God's map for her life? What was her assignment? And in her case, God actually answered in a supernatural way. On the ship ride back to the U.S., Rachel had a vision of a bunch of Native people calling to her saying, come be with us. So she decided to give up this potential for great wealth and instead decided to go be a missionary in South America in Peru and Ecuador with the Wycliffe Bible translators, really seeking to translate the Bible into the native languages, some languages which didn't even have a written language. You know, Rachel didn't know everything that was coming before her, everything that God wanted her to do. She didn't even know who the people were that God wanted her to reach to. But what she did is she took the steps that were in front of her, you know, preparing herself to be useful in the ministry and then going down there and taking part. And after a while of serving there, she actually went on a plane ride with her brother, Nate Saint, who was a part of the Aviation Missionary Fellowship. And he took her flying over this region of Ecuador and said, hey, sis, look down there. There's a people down there who have never been reached with the gospel. They're the super violent people. You know, they kill foreigners when they run into them. And in fact, they have, this, they have this habit of killing one another, spearing one another in revenge. One family spears one, then the other family spears them back, then they spear them back. There's that people down there. And all of a sudden, Rachel had a feeling from God, this is the people I am supposed to reach. Now, just let that sink in. Like, that's a scary thought. You know, the tribe that kills the people who come to them, that's the place where you are supposed to go. Again, if we think, oh, how am I going to make that work? How am I going to do this? Right? It can be overwhelming. So what did Rachel do? She continued to follow God step by step. She actually, uh, an opportunity was given to her to go work at a hacienda where one girl, a tribe member from this tribe, had run away and was living at. She was only one of four people outside of the tribe who had been a part of the tribe. And so Rachel went and learned the language from her so that she could be a witness and translate the Bible into her own language. Well, little known to Rachel, at the exact same time that this is happening, her brother Nate and four other missionary men and all of their wives were also trying to reach the same people. It's the Aka tribe. And what they had been doing is they had been making incursions into the air. They had been flying over the area and dropping gifts with the hope that it would make the people friendly so that they could go in and begin building relationships with them. And so after doing this for a while, they found a beach that they could land on. They landed and some of the tribe members came. And actually, things seemed to be going 
really well. Like this might be an opportunity for them to build some, uh, some roads into this tribe and really reach them with the gospel. Well, but then something bad happened. One of the tribe members who visited these five missionaries, he left at night with a woman. And in the Aka tribe, you are not, a man is not supposed to be alone with a woman if they're not married. And so they left, they went back to the, the, the tribe, the grounds. And in order to cover up the fact that he had done this thing which was not allowed, he made a little lie. He said, you know what, those missionaries, they attacked us, they're evil like we thought, and so we had to run away, and we just happened to run in the same direction. That's why we were together. And so what happened is that the tribe got themselves in a frenzy, they grabbed their sneers, they snuck around the missionaries, and they martyred them all. They killed all five of them right there on the beach. Rachel lost her brother, and these five women, many with young children, all that day lost, you know, lost their people that they love to the very people that they were trying to reach with the gospel. The people that they were trying to share the forgiveness and the kindness of Jesus with. Now again, imagine if you were in that circumstance. How do you move forward? How do you take on this assignment that you have? Well, Rachel continued just to take the steps that God had shown her. She had a good, strong grasp on the gospel. She knew that God could take horrible things and use them for his glory. He could use them for the betterment of people. And so she trusted in God and continued to learn the language. And exactly 33 months to the day when the men were murdered, Rachel and one of the men's wives, Betty Elliott, with her three-year-old daughter until hiked into this village. Um, and because of the work that Rachel had done with this girl at the hacienda, they were welcomed into the village of the Aka tribe. They were not killed. And they actually got to meet at least one, I believe some of the men who had killed their men, right? But instead of becoming vengeful in that moment, because they had a strong grip on God's will and his ways, what they actually had is pity for them. You know, pity that they lived in such a state where they were constantly killing one another. Rachel never asked, or God never asked Rachel for results. He didn't ask her to be able to convert this tribe. He just asked her to be faithful with the steps that were right in front of her. And what ended up happening is God used Betty Ella and Rachel to actually reach many of this tribe for Christ, including one of the men who had, who had been one of the spearmen who had killed them. You know, God did a great work for her through her because she courageously moved forward with the steps that he had shown her. And I, I really do think, I think courageously moving forward with steps that God has shown us, it's one of the hardest parts of life in following Christ. It's such a hurdle that can stop us from handling our responsibilities in life by God's map. You know, frankly, it's just so much easier to take an academic approach to God. You know, to attend church, to read lots of books, maybe to attend prayer meetings, but never to actually take the steps that God shows us in life. And this is such a big issue that James, in the book of James 1, 22 through 25, he tells us to be careful, be careful to be doers of the word and not hearers only. That when God's word shows us something in our lives, to actually act upon it. And you know, what I've found in my life is that most of the time my problem isn't about knowing more, it's about obeying more. The next step in front of me is typically something God has already shown me and I just have to courageously take it and start heading up the trail. 
So how do we handle the big assignments that God has given us? How do we handle those well? We get a strong grip on what we need to do. We look at it in light of God's will and his ways. We check the map, and then we start heading up the path. We courageously move forward to take the steps in front of us. And finally, in order to help Joshua with his mission, God charged him to be careful, careful to obey everything that God had commanded in his word, to stay within the boundary markers. If we look at Joshua 1, 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know, God set up boundaries throughout life, trail markers that he tells us we shouldn't go beyond. Now, let's be honest. None of us like being told what to do. Um, you know, deep inside, we're like a three-year-old that when we're told what to do, you know, we clench our fists, get all stiff. No! You know, we, we don't, we don't want to be told what to do. So let's ask the question, why? Why should we stay within these boundaries? Why can't we live however we want? You know, why can't we live out, again, those lifestyles which are so showed in the media? It looks so good. Why does God say that they're out of bounds? Why can't we go off trail hiking in the mountains? Well, when we examine God's word, what we find is that God gives us these boundary markers for our good. And there are two major, re two major reasons. He gives them to us for our protection and for our blessing. So how do they act for our protection? Well, the history of Israel shows a great example of this, of God putting up boundaries for our protection. Now, before the people of Israel went into the promised land, as they were getting ready to go, God gave them a warning that they needed to obey him. If we look in Deuteronomy 7, 2 through 5, it says, And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, you, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your hearts from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and would destroy you quickly. But, but thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their ashram and burn their carved images with fire. You know, God really wanted to make sure that his people were set up for success. And in this land, there were a bunch of very wicked kingdoms who were doing horrible things. And God wanted to make sure that there were not going to be things around the people of Israel that were going to cause them to also follow f f uh, false gods, to walk into the same wickedness that the people there were already committing. You know, he really, God really wanted to protect his people. But in the end, Israel didn't follow God. They didn't defeat all the people of the land, but instead they actually made an alliance with one of the people without checking with God first, and they left some of the wicked kingdoms in place. And what this caused problems for the people of Israel for many, many years into the future. You know, God had put up a boundary marker, and the people walked right past it, causing generational pain. And in life, as we're walking up the trail, uh, that you know, there are markers on either side. You know, we're going to see a lot of tempting sights along the way. Things that, you know, we kind of just want to go explore and we want to go check out. You know, there's paths that seem like they're going to be easier, um, that are going to be quicker or more enjoyable. It seems like it should be okay to go outside these boundaries. Well, Proverbs tells us that we're heading into danger. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. You know, God is trying to protect us from the bramble bush, 
that's going to snag and cut us, from the poison oak that's going to cause us a lot of pain. He's trying to protect us from the dangers that we don't see or that we don't understand. It's like a parent who tells the child, don't touch fire, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you've probably had this conversation. Don't touch the fire. It makes all sense in the world to that kid to touch the fire. Now, why are parents telling their kids not to touch fire? Is it because we just have to have our own way? You know, we just want what we want and we go for it. No, it's because we're trying to protect our kids. Well, in the same way, God is trying to protect his kids. You know, when I was at Cal Poly, I would go walks, uh, go on walks around the campus. And the campus is right up against some hills in Pomona. And so one day I'm like, you know, I'm going to go walk up into these hills. It's going to be great. I'm going to do a little exploring. And I suddenly ran into a sign. Warning, rattlesnake breeding area. I can tell you that boundary marker turned me right back. Because someone had put up a marker for things that I didn't see, that I didn't know that were there, and that I could have stumbled into and gotten seriously hurt. Actually, it kind of frightens me to wonder how they figured out they needed to put that sign there, but... King David, he's actually a really good example of what happens when people step outside the boundary markers that God set up. So let's look at 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 2. Um, and this is the example of David and Bathsheba, if you know that story. So in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David, the king, sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Amorites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened one, late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the, roof, the woman was very beautiful. Now, just to summarize what happens next is David commits adultery with this woman while her husband is out at the battle that David was supposed to be leading. David marched right past God's boundary markers. You know, he knew not to commit adultery, not to covet another man's wife. Right now, we're talking about how we need to get a strong grip on our responsibilities and then courageously move forward with what we need to do. This is exactly what David was not doing. Let's look at that first verse again. You know, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David was king. Instead of going, David took a slack hand. He sent others. And what did he do? He lounged around at home. You know, he was not being the king that he should. A king is supposed to lead a people, to protect a people, to do what's best for them. Instead, he destroyed a family. You know, he wasn't courageously moving forward up the trail. He sat daydreaming, looking around until he saw something very tempting. And then he marched right beyond those boundary markers. And it caused a lot of hurt. You know, not only did he commit adultery, he actually committed murder. He had the woman's husband murdered in battle to cover it up. And as a consequence for his sin, the child that was conceived in that adultery died, and David actually had problems in his own house for the rest of his life. His sons were rebellious. They were vengeful. One even tried to overthrow him as king. You know, his family life became a tragic shambles. He experienced a lot of pain because he went past the markers. You know, I think there's another quick thing that this piece of history shows us. When we're really seeking to follow God, constantly check the map, stay on track, heading up the, the path before us, we have a bit less time to look around and be distracted by all the other paths that are branching off into danger. 
It's not that we're danger-free. It's not that we're not going to have things that tempt us. But we have more momentum going in the right direction. When we're stationary, however, when we're just sitting there looking around, we're ripe for the picking. We're an easy target to be lured off the path into problems. So God has given us these boundary markers, you know, and asked us to obey in all things because he wants us to protect us. He wants us to accomplish our assignments well. But God also gives us boundary markers for our blessing. If we look in Joshua 1a, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We also see this in Deuteronomy 440. It says, Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. You know, God wants us to experience hope, joy, peace, and contentment in life. And now think about that for a moment. Depression, you know, suicidal ideation, stress have been rising in the United States. And I would guess in much of the world. You know, so many people are without hope, without peace, without joy. But this isn't how God wants us to live. He wants us to have a good life, and beyond that, he wants us to have an epic eternity hanging out with him forever. All those things beyond the boundaries, they're just a mirage. They look like they're going to give us hope, joy, peace, and contentment more easily, quicker, or while still satisfying the sinful desires that are in our hearts. But if we want the truly good things that life can bring, we will only find these on God's trail. Now, actually, I... For the sake of time, I'm going to skip a story, but if you want to hear a story of me personally, how I experienced God's uh, protection and blessing through sticking in his boundaries, feel free to ask me afterwards and I'll tell you. So God puts boundary markers on our trail for our protection and for our blessing. And when we're careful to obey all that God has commanded, we will stay within those boundaries. So to handle our assignments well, we need to be strong. We need to be courageous and we need to be careful. We have to check the map, head up the trail, and stay within the boundary markers. So let's shift gears for a moment and take a little time to look at what things can help us to be strong, to be courageous, to be careful. Well, first of all, we should stay connected to and be filled with the Word of God, the Bible. You know, if we're going to understand God's will and His ways for our life, to get a strong grip on life um, and really go the direction, then it would be wise for us to go to the place where God has revealed himself. And God has shown himself through the Bible. The Bible is essentially our manual, our training guide for how to live. And so if we're willing to regularly take time to get into the Bible through others sharing it to us and also getting it to our, our, in our own lives by reading it, pondering it, memorizing it, studying it, you know, we will get a good picture of how God has operated through history and how he wants us to live today. If we look back quickly at some verses we've looked at, Joshua 1a, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. In order for us to meditate on it day and night, it has to be really around us and in us. We have to memorize it and be in it continually. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will get good success. And again, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When we connect with the word of God and examine our lives against what it says, 
it will be an invaluable tool to help us to be careful to obey, to know how to get a strong grip and to have the courage to move forward. Being connected to the word of God helps us to see and distinguish where God wants us to go on the trail. And where are those boundary markers that we need to stay within? If we don't know God's word, we may blow past them without ever realizing it. The second thing we can do is we can walk side by side with godly people. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. And this is what's described to me as pick your friends, pick your future. You know, godly men and women will encourage and challenge us to obey all things that God has commanded us. Foolish men and women, on the other hand, will draw our hearts away from God because it doesn't make sense to them. They haven't experienced it. Godly friends will care about us enough to tell us you're being stupid. They will challenge our thinking. They will point out to us where we are going on the wrong trails and help us grow on the right ones. And therefore, we need to have the people who have a real influence in our life, the people who are helping us set the direction of our life. We want those to be people who are walking with God, the people who are going up that mountain trail, going up the right trail. You know, we will and should have friends of all walks in life. Um, You know, how else can we share the good message that God has given us about his forgiveness? But we want our deepest heart friends to be those who push us on the right trail. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. If we partner with those who are actively following God, they can encourage us and help us to do the same. So look for those who are further along the trail than you, further along in following Jesus, and work to get time around them. Adjust your schedule so that you can get time with them and that they can help you up the trail. And this is actually a two-way thing. We can actually turn around and look for people who are a little bit further down the trail than we are, and we can help them along as well. You know, look for someone to build into you and look for someone that you, in turn, can help and build into. So there's a lot of difficult assignments in life, assignments that can seem like they're impossible, you know, daunting mountain trails for us to climb. Yet we can do well in the mission we have in trying to accomplish those assignments when we seek to be strong, when we seek to get a firm grip on what it is we need to do and examine that by God's wills and God's ways, you know, checking the map for where he wants us to go. And then as we are courageous, really moving forward up the trail, even in the midst of uncertainty or fear, and being careful to stay within the boundary markers that God has set up. And as we continue to do this in faithfulness, we will do well in the assignments we've been given in life. We will be able to go from mission impossible to mission accomplished. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and why doesn't the band come on up? God, I just, uh, I thank you for your word. Um, That you don't just leave us out there to suffer the poison oak, to suffer rattlesnakes, to deal with all the pain of life on our own but instead that you really give us a way to experience a blessed life, to to really go in a way that's going to be helpful to us and helpful to others. I pray that you just help us to be strong, to be courageous and to be careful, uh, that we would really get in your word and get around others who are going to help us along the way, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.